1: Today is December 21st, 2020, and today on the show we're going to have Scott Mitchell. Scott Mitchell is the host of the Bible Mysteries podcast and the pastor of a church in Sequin, Texas. Hope I said that right, guys. With a career background in music, legal support, and technology, Scott has been a scriptural scholar studying biblical history and mysteries for 40 years. He founded... UTBNow.com to provide resources to help people unlock the mysteries of the Bible. So let's not waste any time. We're going to get right to it. We'll be back with Pastor Scott Mitchell right after this. Welcome back to Conflict Radio. We've got Pastor Scott Mitchell with us. Pastor, how are you doing today?
0: I am very well, Michael, and very happy to be here.
1: You know, we are thrilled to have you. There's so much going on in the world today. That I guess you you can't ignore the 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 good versus evil and and everything that's going on. Where where do you stand on all of this as far as a religious aspect goes?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, Michael, and and I do have some feelings and opinions about it. Um, and and I I put together in my mind a number of we'll call recent events that for me seemed to be pointing in a specific direction. And I'll start with the um, uh, 2017, uh, not that it has to have started then, but I, I do recall that's when the Project Blue Book files were declassified by the United States government. And it became pretty clear that top gun, um, talented Navy and Air Force fighter pilots were seeing aircraft that were clearly not um, Earth uh, technology. And, and it can't be explained as, you know, uh, light refractions or swamp gas or something like that. So that the timing of that seems to coincide with uh, much of what's going on in the culture today. You know, we had all the riots Uh, Lately, we've had the the COVID pandemic, we've had the uh, just social unrest all around the world, not just in this country, and then what appears to be a major division uh, of of our country uh, between a right-left paradigm or whatever you want to call it, and to me, it finally dawned on me that these things are coinciding together to either be a distraction from what is culminating in the spiritual realm or, or the setting the stage for a delusion that's essentially going to appear in the spiritual realm and manifest itself in a physical way in some form that's going to change the entire structure uh, and societal structure of the world.
1: Now, we had a guest on the show who, who was saying that we're in a time of ascension where the human consciousness is actually becoming more aware and we're going to be able to uh, use more of our brain to be better consciously because we're not experiencing consciousness the way that we should. How, how does that – does that at all fall in line with the teachings of the Bible?
0: You know, I think it probably does, and as you just asked that question, what came to my mind was a passage of scripture uh and it's in the book of Daniel, which is one of the prophets of the old testament but um he uh, there was a an angel there uh and I think it's Gabriel who was giving Daniel some final words about the end times and um he was saying that um that The words that he wrote down were to be sealed up in a book until the time of the end. And then he makes a reference to many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. So it it almost sounds like it could coincide with that term that you just used about an ascension. I understand that we don't use but a percentage of our brain's capacity. I, I don't know how accurate that is, but I tend to agree with it when I think about myself and how little my brain is used. But um, I, I would imagine that at some point when restoration is complete, and, and God restores the human condition to what it was meant to be, we'll certainly be using more of our brain power, if not all full capacity of it.
1: So if that's the case, what they're saying is, is I guess what the, what a guest said that I had on, she said that there's a global elite that is trying to keep us from reaching the, the goodness within ourselves. It's trying to, it's like beating off our negativity. I mean, that would be Satan, right? The evilness.
0: That's certainly right. And and that's one way to look at it. Um, I, I tend to view everything through the lens of scripture, just because that's my upbringing. That's my training. And that's my area of specialty. And I see it as – Satan, to me, is not quite such a nebulous thing, but it's a true entity, a person. And he happens to be a fallen angel that once was the brightest creature that God made, but he decided he wanted to be God himself. So a war started ages ago that has continued to this day. And one-third of all the created angels joined this Lucifer in a rebellion. So they became Satan and his fallen angels. And they do operate through men. And to me, there's a convergence of this so-called global elite that is coming together to gain totalitarian control of the world so they can hand it over to Satan in the form of a person that he's going to be manifested in. And the Bible refers to him as the Antichrist.
1: Do you think that we're in that time? Do you think the Antichrist is here on the earth now?
0: I don't know if he's here on the earth now. It's, it's hard to pinpoint the time uh, in the Bible, but there's a lot of good references to uh, prophetic fulfillments and things so we can glean something of an idea. And if you want me to go into some of the details of that, I can, but I think we're very close to the time when these uh, individuals, there's going to be an Antichrist and there's going to be ten kings, and kings may not necessarily be kings as we know them historically, like a King David or a King George. Uh, it could be a king of an industry, a king of a corporation, uh, the power of the, the Davos group or, or or a Soros or something like that, you know, could be could be the kings they're in reference to.
1: Well, it definitely looks like that there's a... a a war on Christians right now. And I grew up a Christian, you know, I I grew up in the Catholic church, you know, I, I, went to all my classes and, and, you know, I read the Bible and, and I always, you know, I guess even as a kid was fascinated with revelation and I was actually, it scared me as a child revelation did that. Oh, one day, you know, uh, I could be killed for, for saying that I believe in God or that I believe in Jesus, I never thought that I would see that day in my lifetime, but it's starting to look like that another 20 years of this, and that's very well where we could be.
0: I I think your your estimation of time is very possibly close to a a good guess, in my opinion. And, you know, it's fascinating that you said that, Michael, because I, too, as a child— Read some passages out of Revelation that scared me too. And the difference being, even though I grew up in a very Catholic state, Louisiana, my family was not religious at all. Uh, You know, we never darkened the door of a church. So I had no religious upbringing of any kind. But for whatever reason, um, I I ran across a Bible and and read some of it and and got the same reaction that you had. Uh, But it's interesting to note that. While we think of it in from a Western perspective of like, boy, is it possible that we could begin to be persecuted as Christians? The truth is that's been going on since the first century all around the world. We've just enjoyed the luxury of not having it in the West, but it continues to this day in other countries.
1: Oh yeah, just look what was you know going on in in Syria when ISIS was going through there. They were, you know, it. I mean, to to those people living there, it was revelation. You know.
0: Absolutely. And, and in a very real sense, there were Christians living in Iraq, and they weren't persecuted as a result necessarily of ISIS. They were decimated as a result of our going in and having a war there. And it might have been an unintended consequence. It wasn't directly uh, aimed at them, but it essentially, uh, you know, good or bad, you know, and no leaders are good. But there was some protection for them under Saddam Hussein. But now they got wiped out as the other more radical Islamists came in after the fact.
1: So, so if revelation is true and these events are going to come to pass, it's almost like we're screwed, right? Like there's no hope. Like this is where we're headed. You know, the, the country's going to fall apart. I mean, they're already talking about putting <clears throat> Trump supporters in, in re-education camps. I mean, that's scary talk on itself. What? Why Why should Christians keep fighting the good fight at this point? Well, it's a
0: fascinating time to be living in, no doubt about it. And it does seem uh, scary. But the hope of the Christian is something that I don't think enough teaching or preaching or discussion has had about, and that is, you've heard the expression about, the word saved or salvation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like a key tenet of the Christian faith, but you know, somebody might ask a question to someone and say are you saved, but they never ask saved from what, right? And so we think about oh being saved from my sins or this or that or the other, but that's not really the issue. Christ did come to die for sins, that's a truth, and he's the means of salvation, but it's salvation from wrath. And there's a wrath to come. So not every Christian is aware of the fact that for nearly 2,000 years, we've been living in a time when God has not been judging the world in the way he's done in the past, such as the flood of Noah or the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, or the plagues on Egypt, you know, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. They were clear evidence of the wrath of God falling on the world. But he hasn't been doing that since uh, since the 33 AD, the year that Jesus was crucified. That time of cessation of hostility, so to speak, is about to come to an end. And that's when these things begin. So the catalyst for these events of the book of Revelation to start is going to be that God's going to remove his people from the earth. Those that are believers, those that have salvation, are delivered from the wrath to come. So there's hope, because for anybody that wants to avoid this wrath, all they have to do is believe on the Redeemer who can cause that to happen.
1: You're you're talking about the rapture, right? The rapture
0: is one event that is the starting point if you will of when the lights go off so to speak. It's sort of like we're the light of the world. And when the rapture takes place, there's some event where the the believers in Christ uh, immediately ascend up to heaven bodily from the earth without dying. Those that have already died get their bodies too. And then it's almost as though the minute that happens we were sort of the spiritual protection that the world had from Satan and his angels essentially coming in with a full-on invasion and stepping into a time of tremendous darkness. So the fact that these global elites are gaining so much control, to me, seems that we must be close to that time because they're beginning to step out from behind in the shadows and they're stepping into the full view of humanity.
1: Do we have any idea how many, how many angels were cast out with Satan? Like how many there are all together?
0: We don't know how many angels there are all, all, all together. The Bible says they're an innumerable, innumerable, if I can say it right, company of angels, which means they're without number. There's a reference to a 1,000 times 1,000 and 10,000 times 10,000 in the Bible. But what we do know according to Revelation 12 is that one-third of that number – joined lucifer in the rebellion and so however one-third of unnumerable is that's how many there are
1: okay now why 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 is god letting this play out why why is why are we doing this i'm you know what i mean like like why why can't he just rid the earth of the bad angels so to speak luciferians that the you know the satan followers and give us a, a peaceful place to live why why you know what i mean why why this why why this well that's a great question
0: and the truth is or the answer is he is going to do that but he set a, a purpose in motion long long ago and this is what most people don't realize and this is one of the things i i capitalize and focus on my own podcast bible mysteries and that is that in the beginning, when God created the heaven and the earth, there was no sin, and there wasn't man. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 is not an account of how God made the earth. He did it in the first sentence there. He didn't give details. When he created that heaven and that earth, it was inhabited by angels for countless eons. We don't know how many ages there was a civilization on the earth for that. And that's when this individual Lucifer rose up to be the the enemy and decided he wanted to usurp the throne of God. So you could say, well, why from the beginning did he not even bother creating Lucifer? Because if he's God, he knew he was going to rebel. But God had a plan in mind. So when Lucifer rebelled and took the angels with him, he corrupted and polluted the planet that God had made for them. And God destroyed that planet with a flood. And that's the flood you find in the second verse of the Bible. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Too often Christianity interprets that passage as in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and here's how he did it. He started with a shapeless, formless mass. But you have to ask the question, why would God need to start with anything that's imperfect and why would there be darkness there and water? So it wasn't the way he started it. It's the result of his divine wrath upon that civilization. And he turned around and restored the earth and made man to replace Lucifer and the rebellious angels and told him to replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So Lucifer was a king on the earth and he lost his kingdom and that kingdom was given to man. So there has been a battle going on since that time where humanity is the prize, the territory is the earth, the devil wants it, God has control of it, and he's trying to see who will believe him, accept him, and love him to be a part of his eternal kingdom when he restores all things. And the reason he's letting it happen is because he gave us the same thing he gave those angels, a free will to choose to receive or reject his gift.
1: Do you think that we have the opportunity to live different lives as as the process plays out to like like you know, say for instance, you know, a two-year-old gets killed. Wouldn't God give him an opportunity to, to come back and, and, and actually live a life to, to be able to see how he is?
0: Well, that's a great question too. And so any infant that would die is not condemned because they've never reached an age of accountability where they would have to choose. You know, an infant can't understand the concept of sin, so he would never be condemned for it. He may have been born into the sin nature that we inherited from Adam, but he can't make a rational choice to receive or reject God's gift. So when they die an untimely death, they go to be with the Lord and they will grow up to be the person they always were meant to be in his new heaven. They don't have to come back to the earth in a sinful condition like a reincarnation type idea. That's not sound in Scripture. But every person ever born or killed in the in the womb has an eternal soul. So they will go on to be the person God always intended them to be in the new heaven and the new earth. And they'll be the same person they always were. Just, you know, they'll finally realize what they're going to be through the redemptive act of Jesus Christ.
1: Okay. There are some people that say if a child dies before he's baptized, he dies in sin, therefore he's damned. What, What would you say to those people?
0: I would say they're absolutely wrong, and, and it's a it's an abominable teaching. It destroys uh, the hope of so many people who lost a child through childbirth or something like that. Uh, it, it's a satanic teaching to me to ever say such a thing, because God could never condemn a child who had no understanding of right and wrong. Water baptism never saved a single person. It was a Jewish ordinance meant to establish the priesthood of Israel. So infant baptism was not something that's in the scriptures at all. And uh, there's no references to people dying uh, and going to hell because they weren't baptized. The thief on the cross is a perfect example, who believed on Jesus at the very last moment and Christ said, this day you will be with me in paradise. So there was no opportunity for him to go be baptized anywhere. Yeah. So it's just a, it's a, just a mis, misunderstanding. It's a religious tenet. It's not a Bible truth.
1: But there's a a lot of these. I guess that they're organized religions that say this. Uh, you know what I mean? Like like it's a it's a thing. It, it's not you know it's not like just some kook that says that. I mean, it, it's actual religions that believe this. And, and I always thought, well, that you know, that's not not my God. You know, my God wouldn't do that to a child. You know.
0: Yeah, it's not your God and it's not the God. Uh, and, and the the truth of the matter is you've stepped on something that can open a, <laughs> a can of worms, which I'm happy to do. But when we talk about Satan and his angels and the lies and the deception they've poured upon the world, uh, not just in paganism, but in Christianity, and the satanic global elite that we can talk about is comprised of more than just the ultra-wealthy trillionaires that are behind the scenes. It's the mechanisms of government, science, and religion. The The history of the Christian church is a history of an apostate Christian church. The Bible says that if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So the God of this world uses every mechanism at his disposal, and that's Satan. The god of this world will use religion to blind the minds of people to the truth so if there's uh, hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a
1: fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere
0: mainstream denominations out there teaching that an infant can go to hell if he dies without being baptized their minds have been blinded by the god of this world
1: all right so let's back up a little bit i want to talk to you about how you said that the angels were living on earth before satan tried to overthrow god right yes did they have high technology
0: i believe they did and as far as i'm concerned. Much of what we have written off as mythology or legends, such as Mount Olympus and the Titans and Atlantis and any number of things, are probably ancient remembrances of that time. Um, and it's not that men were around for that. It's just that they would have been taught this truth, because after man was created, shortly, well, not shortly, but about within the next 1,500 years, came the flood of Noah. And before that time, what had happened was some number of the angels that had joined Lucifer in the rebellion came down in Genesis chapter 6, took the daughters of men to wife, and had children by them that were the giants or Nephilim of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So those stories could also be references to those people, too. The Titans and things like that are are probably very much uh, uh, an allusion back to that. But those angels that did sin for a time dwelt on the earth with men. The the indication seems to be that in order for them to procreate, they left their realm, their dimension, or their first estate, the Bible calls it, and they took on the form of uh, mortality. So that they could actually give a, a, a seed to pass to a woman to give birth and if they communed with men in that fashion, they probably told them the stories of the civilization from their twisted perspective and men would have carried those traditions through the ages so when things finally got to the ancient Greeks or Egyptians or whatever it's a it's a diluted and distorted vision of that time that they wrote about when they talked about their gods and their their Mount Olympus fights and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, uh we've had some Egyptologists on that, that, that say that, you know, that the pyramids were pre-flood. Would that be angel angel built? I agree.
0: I, I think they were pre-flood and they could have either been angel built or the sons of the angels, the hybrids, the giants, which were the giants or the Nephilim. They, they probably had the same advanced technology, uh, as a matter of fact, there's a fantastic book called The Judgment of the Nephilim by Ryan Peterson, and uh, I recommend it to anybody uh, listening to the show. But um, he discusses the idea that there's a lineage of the one of the sons of Adam, Cain, who went on to be banished from the rest of, of the, the family – and grew up and raised sons and there was one of his offspring that eventually had some brothers and a sister and it was through that group of people that explosion of technology suddenly occurs in the bible and he was able to reason through the scriptures that this was probably the first woman their sister and her name was Naama which means beautiful uh, that was given to be a wife to the fallen angels that took took wives. And in exchange, they got this technology because the brothers then became masters of metallurgy, masters of, of cattle raising for profit and all kinds of uh, – and weaponry. So it seems like what these angels came down was teach men things to do that were rebellious against the God of heaven.
1: So they were only the Luciferian – following angels that were breeding with the human women
0: exactly and and as a result of that the entire bloodline of the humanity that god created was tainted with this corrupt angel dna that's what these giants were it was satan's attempt to prevent a particular human from being born it was prophesied in genesis 3 the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent so he was trying to stop the seed of the woman from ever being born. When God destroyed that earth with a flood, it wasn't because man was just wicked, because men are wicked today. It was because man's flesh had corrupted God's way. And the only pure human beings left were the were the family of Noah.
1: Okay. Um, I mean, there, there's evidence of giants. I mean, a lot of them you know, all over. I mean, we have the the battle in Israel, you know, there's evidence of giants even in North America. Absolutely. So there must have been a a long period of time where God kind of just let it go, right?
0: He did. We estimate it somewhere in the range of 1500 years when this could have been going on up to the flood. And and, and it, you're right. It's very possible that um, people were uh, inhabiting the other continents uh, as well at the time. We don't know how advanced the civilization was. If you think about pyramids, um, that structure in Egypt is duplicated all over the world, North America, the Orient, yeah. everywhere, uh, South America – and um, and so it, it would seem that the similar patterns, if they were designed to be the worship of Satan or his angels, was being duplicated throughout the world. So it could be that they were all destroyed in in the flood from those other continents as well, or it could be that um, we know that giants ended up in the land of Canaan in the Bible after the flood, during the conquest of Canaan by Joshua and the Israelites. And they appear to be a different type of giant. Uh, the the word is Rephaim instead of Nephilim, uh, but it's um, it would seem to be they're the descendants of some of that DNA that snuck over through the ark, possibly through the wife of Ham, one of the sons of Noah, that she might have been a carrier of the genetics and not a it was like a recessive and not a dominant trait in her own appearance, because the the grandson of noah ham's son canaan ended up being cursed because of something his father did and we don't know of anything that canaan ever did except that the land of canaan became the land of the canaanites which were giants so So, canaan may have been a giant himself and began to demonstrate those traits at some point when noah cursed him
1: so there's still remnants of this dna still alive amongst us today right
0: i would say there is probably much diluted and uh, the giants that inhabited the land of canaan were defeated and destroyed by the nations uh, around them israel and edom and moab but that doesn't mean that there couldn't have been some that escaped and traveled across the bering strait you know and down into north america and whatever uh you know mentions of things throughout history and in different age, uh, lands and cultures talked about giants as well as dragons incidentally
1: okay there's a theory out there that suggests that demons are are the souls of dead giants where, where do you stand on that
0: I agree with that and and the theory comes from a non-scriptural book called the book of Enoch which is considered apocryphal in in I think the Catholic Bible but it is um Uh, it, It is it's historically something that's significant, but we can't rely on it as scripture. There's a there's a Bible book called the book of Jude or the epistle of Jude, which is the second to last book of the New Testament. And it cites Enoch. In, in a place, and so some people say that gives credibility the book of Enoch, but we don't know that the actual existing book of Enoch is the one Enoch wrote you know, it could be that he made that statement and it was true, but the rest of the book could have some falsehood so that's why it's considered apocryphal, but from that book comes the idea that the disembodied spirits of the giants or the Nephilim became the unclean spirits or the demons or devils that we, that we see in the in the new testament when christ was casting them out of people
1: so i'm trying to i'm trying to understand so 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 god brings a flood right because the angels and and the and the and humans are are creating these giants and, it, and it's poisoning humanity and you know we we know that story so the flood happens. Where did all the angels go? I mean, obviously, I mean, did they have wings? Can they just fly above the flood? Do they do they go into another dimension? What, what happened to them?
0: Well, that's a great question. And the Bible actually gives us an answer about that. Uh, the angels that actually did the deed of taking wives of the daughters of men apparently uh, violated the commandment of God uh, to such an extent that they had to be physically punished. And so... The, the, the conclusion that most of us draw is that in order for them to procreate, they took on a physical form that could then be killed in the same way their offspring, the giants, were killed in the flood. So they either died in the flood or shortly before the flood and some other mechanism that God used to, to destroy them. And they ended up in chains. In a place the Bible refers to as the abyss or the bottomless pit, Second Peter chapter two says, "If God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment." And then that same book I mentioned earlier, the book of Jude, that refers to the the a quote from Enoch refers to the exact same angels when he says, the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So those angels that did this thing, sinned by leaving their habitation or their first estate, took on a form of Corporeal matter that could allow them to procreate were killed in the flood or by God in some judgment And now they're in chains and darkness, so they couldn't just fly away But keep in mind that not all of satan's angels did this Only some number did that over a period of time But there's still many many satanic angels that never left their first estate
1: So can we just not see them the ones that weren't doing that?
0: We can't see them because they they are spiritual creatures in a spiritual realm, and they're, they're not going to be seen or manifested until another thing happens, uh, which is a war that's coming, and it's a war in
1: heaven. Okay, and uh, when do you think that's going to happen?
0: Well, we know it's going to happen when this event we call a rapture takes place. And after that, the world's going to be plunged into darkness for some undetermined amount of time, whether it's a day, a week, a month, a year, or 10 years, we don't know. But at some point after that, there is going to be the continuation of a prophetic timetable from the book of Daniel that refers to 70 weeks and without getting into technicalities, 69 of those 70 weeks have already transpired historically, and the last year of those 69 weeks, because they're weeks of years, culminated in the year that Jesus Christ was crucified. The final week, or 70th week, is the final seven years, and you've heard the term tribulation. Mm-hmm. The Great Tribulation is the last seven years of Daniel's prophecy. It's the 70th week of Daniel, or it's referred to as the time of Jacob's trouble. And Jacob is another term for Israel. So when that time begins, when that clock starts ticking again and the 70 weeks begins, or or, or rather the 70th week begins, that's when the war begins to engage directly again between God's angels with Michael as their general or leader and Satan and his angels. And they're going to fight this battle in the heavens for three and a half years. Satan and his angels will be defeated. They will be cast down to the earth, according to Revelation 12. And at that point, they'll be confined to the earth. So it looks like they're taking on that same change, that same form of leaving their first estate, but but involuntarily this time. And at that point, they're going to be visible and seen by the world, and that brings up the whole question of what are they going to say when they get here? Are they going to say, we fought the angels of God and we lost? You know, Satan's a liar. He's never going to admit defeat. That's probably where the great delusion is going to come from, and they're going to declare themselves to be the aliens, come down to help human beings move to their next stage of evolution by taking this mark.
1: Okay. Um all right. Now, I do want to I do want to go further on that that because because there there's a lot of questions I have to what's going to come. But I I I want to stay let's stay in the past for just a little bit longer. Sure. The um is it possible that hell as we think it is is really like in the earth somewhere in in the hollow earth like like the the abyss where the angels are chained? is really under our feet?
0: That's right. The Bible literally refers to hell as being beneath. It's got several terms that it uses for hell. And uh, the Hebrew word for it is Sheol, which is the grave, the pit, or hell. And the Greek word is Hades, or Hades. And what a lot of Christians also don't realize, or people in general, is that Hades is a compartment within the earth, and it literally has three sections to it, okay? So Hades is the general place. It's called hell, but it's think of it more in terms of the place of the dead as the Greeks would have understood it. But within Hades are three locations. There is a place of burning and torment that is traditionally associated with hell. There is a place of comfort and peace that is referred to as paradise or Abraham's bosom. And there's a place in between those two that is called a great gulf fixed, and it happens to be that bottomless pit we refer to. In the Greek, it's known as Tartarus, and so it separates the torment place from the place of peace and comfort. And the place of peace and comfort is there because all of the righteous humans that ever died before Christ died— could not ascend up to heaven since the means by which redemption was necessary would be the blood of Jesus Christ. But they couldn't be thrown in the burning torment of hell because they were righteous. So God kept them in a place of comfort and peace until the redemption was accomplished. And these are their souls. Their souls and their spirits. Yeah. And, and the, by the way, the soul has a physicality to it. There's a body to the soul. Uh, but it's not the flesh and blood body that we see. It's another body, and you're still you in in a place outside of your body. But will someday receive a body that will never die. So will you'll always be you, but you'll be you in a perfect way.
1: Yeah, you know that that's fascinating. You know to think so. So basically, this the spirit the spirit realm, from what you're saying, is basically another dimension.
0: It really is, and and it's possible that it's a fourth dimension, but I'm not – that's one of those areas of study that I've not ventured into strongly enough, and f- math and physics <laughs> is not one of my strong suits. Um, but I, I believe we could call it a fourth dimension as we understand it from our science perspective or at least what we call science. Uh, whatever God deems it is is something, but there clearly seems to be a way to access that realm from time to time because occult practices do so, and that 's how they reach the realms of the familiar spirits or demons or whatever you want to call them, which are not the fallen angels necessarily, but lower order of minions that are um, allegiant to Satan simply because their fathers were the the fallen angels of Satan.
1: Do you think that there are other beings besides angels? You know, like like we hear of leprechauns or we hear of, you know, little people and, and you know, different things. Do you think, do you think that it's just angels or, or there's other beings as well? Well, the Bible only makes
0: reference to angels, but there's different types of angels. So there's a class of angels called seraph or seraphim. There's a class of angels called uh, cherubs or cherubim. And they're not the little babies with bows and arrows. You know, they're four-headed creatures (laughs) that are somewhat uh, striking when you see them described in the book of Ezekiel. And then regular angels that seem to appear as men when they choose to. But when they appear in their, their actual form as angels, generally in the Bible, when men saw them in that form, they fainted. Uh, they're strikingly powerful and they're um, they're they're warriors essentially. So um, when men saw them, they usually passed out. Um, if there are other types of entities, then we're dealing with either something that Satan and his angels have been involved with genetically manipulating, and that brings me to something like: Is it possible, since we know that? all flesh had corrupted its way on the earth in the days of Noah and we know about the giants, then there's every reason to believe that The fallen angels were also involved in manipulating other parts of God's creation, such as the animal kingdom. And when we think of stories like minotaurs and centaurs and hydras and whatever the legends talk about, uh, manticores and griffins, it's possible that those two are adulterated versions of God's perfect creatures that Satan had a hand in. So which is not to say that I'm trying to impugn a leprechaun or anything like that as being satanic, because I don't know if a leprechaun exists or not.
1: Yeah.
0: But um Satyrs, you know, things like that. And and then there then you get into things like cryptozoology, where the Bible clearly makes reference to dragons in the Bible, unicorns in the Bible, and it may not be what our modern conception of them are, but it's definitely a word used and Uh, used to describe things that we think of as uh, either extinct or never existed in the
1: first place. Well, just because if, let's just say, for instance, that the devil and the bad angels are manipulating uh, creatures, who's to say that just because they're manipulated by Satan, does that mean that they're bad?
0: That's a great point. And, And again, we don't know that these... Cognizant creatures are uh, alive and and roaming the earth somewhere in that same form. You know, I I often entertain the idea of maybe writing a fiction book someday where uh, based on the concept of a Bigfoot and rather than treat it as just sort of a cryptozoological creature that's mysterious, I would treat it as a group of the Nephilim uh, that decided to leave the area and not be killed by the Israelites. But maybe they were just hairy and smelled bad. And they were they were shunned by their smooth skinned brothers, you know, uh, and that could just make for an interesting fiction novel. But um, you know, we don't know that that might not possibly something like that. Are they are they evil creatures? I don't know, but I wonder if perhaps um, the accounts men give of so called aliens.
1: Okay, round two.
0: Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry. Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, only prohibited by law, 18 plus terms conditions apply. See website for details.
0: And such as grays or reptilians or things like that. Are not in fact fallen angels manipulating genetics through, say, abducting humans and messing with their DNA. Uh, and I would think if that's the case, these are um, malevolent creatures, and they're they're aligned with Satan, and they're not uh, in uh, they are not in mankind's best interest.
1: Okay, so I have one more question about past stuff, and, and then and then we'll move on. I'm I'm curious about dinosaurs. Now, did dinosaurs exist before the angels lived on the planet and had their uh, high society here? Or were they – do you think they were both here at the same time? You know, that is a great
0: question, and I couldn't give you a solid answer for it. There's more than one school of thought about that from a Christian perspective. Um, It could be that uh, they were the animals – That were the result of satanic corruption of that planet at the time, you know, like perhaps there were animals on the earth in the angelic civilization that were, uh, you know, God's created animals. And when Satan rebelled, he turned around and wreaked havoc on the earth. And we don't know how long God could have let that go on before he destroyed that that world, that system. And with all their advanced technology, it's very possible that they were distorting something God made, and the result of that was dinosaurs. And then the fossil record could date back to those ages. And and maybe you know we're talking about before time actually started. Even though the geological time t- table is millions or millions of years, uh, God didn't start counting time until he started the first days in Genesis chapter one. So. It would have been uh, – we could call it eternity past. So that's one idea, one theory of what they could be. It also could be that God made them, and they were contemporaneous with Adam, and perhaps even some of them were on the ark. Uh, and when you know two of every kind of animal uh, was on the ark, so would have been two of every kind of dinosaur, and it was certainly large enough to to carry them. But I jokingly say that, you know, men never ate animals prior to after the flood. The Bible makes that clear. And was it wasn't until after the flood that God told Noah that every moving thing would be meat for him. And I joke that Noah and his sons looked at the Apatosaurus and they said, well, that's a lot of steak. So as, as soon as they took one of them out, There was no more dinosaurs, because if they ate the male or the female, there was never going to be another one again. So we don't really know 100 percent about where they went or or where they came from. And that's one of the great mysteries.
1: Do we have any any records or, or any, I guess, myths that angel fossils have been found anywhere? Yeah, there doesn't appear to be any
0: fossils of angels other than the Nephilim offspring and their giants. And even though that's a that's a suppressed um, truth, yeah, is. and and the world doesn't uh, lever uh, whoever controls the world doesn't allow that truth to come out yet. Um, the angels don't appear to have bones in that sense. They they seem to be made of another substance. Uh, they even eat something different. You know, angels food is described in the Bible and it's, it's manna. It's actually what God fed the children of Israel in the wilderness. And so you would think, you know, if, if a, if a creature could live on something called manna, uh, then they are designed differently than we are. And, and another misconception that a lot of people have is that when you die and you go up in resurrection, you become an angel. You don't. You're always going to be a human being. But human beings were not created to die as we do now. We were not created to age. We would have never aged or never died had man not brought sin into the human condition.
1: Well, there are reports of you know, I I guess I'm not reports, but you know, Noah Noah was like six hundred years old and you know what I mean? Like like there's a lot of stories of, of men living to be hundreds and hundreds of years old back in the day.
0: Absolutely. Noah lived over 600 years. Adam lived 930 years. And one of his great-great-grandsons was a man named Methuselah who lived 969 years, and he died the year before the flood happened. So, yeah, longevity was, was a, a part of the norm even when sin was introduced into the human race. So you can imagine uh, we're going to come back to that there are verses of Scripture that talks about the kingdom of heaven when it comes. And uh, it's not the new heaven and the new earth yet, but it's a thousand-year period of time on the earth when Jesus actually reigns, and there's going to be trees that grow that will allow it to be such that a child will be considered—a person will be considered a child at 100.
1: Do you think that angels can shapeshift? Evidently, they can change their form from an angel
0: to appear as a man because they do so several times in the scriptures. There's also a reference to Satan who Paul wrote and said can be transformed as an angel of light and no marvel for his ministers can be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. So apparently transformation is a power they have, but very limited in, in how they can use it. So for example, Even when Adam and Eve's children were born, their first two sons, which were twins, Cain and Abel, uh, Cain slew his brother Abel. The devil decided that Abel could have been the seed of the woman that God prophesied of that would bruise his head because Cain was wicked. So he used Cain to kill him. He didn't kill him himself. The fact that he didn't do that tells me he couldn't. And later on, when we read in the book of Job that the devil says he was walking up and down in the earth, there seems to have been a time when the sons of God or these fallen angels could move around on the earth. Whether in a form that men could see, I don't know. But they gave an account of themselves to God in Job chapter 1. And at some point, God asked Satan about, what do you think of my servant Job? And he said, ah, you made him rich. Get Let me at him, and he'll curse you to your face. Well, God said, you can attack him, but you can't hurt him or take his life. And essentially, he was limited in what he could do. But um, ultimately, um, Satan killed his family or not his wife, but his children and all his living and all his wealth, and then struck him with sore boils. So the devil is limited in what he can do unless God gives him permission.
1: Okay. So if, if, they, can't, if they can't shapeshift and there's another war in heaven, how, how is it they're going to be able to, to come down and, and say that they're extraterrestrials? Won't we recognize them as being angels? Or do, well, or I'm, do we not? I'm not saying they can't
0: shapeshift. I'm saying that they yeah. can.
1: Yeah, if I if I
0: if I misspoke, I apologize. But no, I believe they can change their form, and and they're limited in what they can do. But if this war in heaven takes place and they are cast out and they leave their estate, that's going to be a transformation. That's going to be a shift, so to speak. What you might be calling shapeshifting is what I'm calling transformation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 saying, you know, if they can they can appear to us however they want, right?
0: <clears throat> well, at least they're in whatever form they're permitted to appear as. Yeah. So if they do, my my uh, speculation is one thing they could do to uh, bring about the agenda that they have is to appear as aliens, because Ezekiel sees some angels of God in crafts. Wheels, He describes in Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10. And so it it does appear that the angels have advanced technology from God. They can use them for traveling uh, great distances. And I would think that the fallen angels had access to the same technology for centuries or, or eons in the past. So they could use it today. And we know there's something out there that can move extremely fast. So it would make sense that they would just simply board their crafts, Descend to the earth, appear as some form like, uh, you know, they're going to look godlike in some form uh, and say to mankind, we've come back, we seeded the monkeys, uh, you know, thousands of years ago to turn you into human beings. And we've come back to give you your next form of evolutionary progress and uh, if you want to be like us, you can take this pill or take this vaccine or take this mark or something, because something has to happen that's going to change the entire world dynamic to turn and worship a single man as God. And you've got to ask yourself, what could turn the, the Christian, the Jew, the Muslim, the Taoist, the Buddhist, the Hindu, all against their own centuries of faith? and turn and drop their god and worship another god and the thing to me that would make the most sense is if aliens came down and said there's no god we are the gods and we made you and you know you can see where that would go from there
1: yeah so so you would you would assume that if if satan and the fallen angels had high-tech craft that the good angels would have high-tech craft as well right
0: I would assume they do because that's what appears in the book of Ezekiel
1: well I mean that's fascinating I mean then wouldn't if that's the case wouldn't religion really be based on extraterrestrials well it's going to be based on whatever
0: the religious um, script or, or documents are um, are believing and uh, many of these ancient uh, manuscripts of like Tibetans and Hindus and Buddhists and all do tie back to their belief of extraterrestrial travelers, the gods that came down, and, and Mesoamerica and ancient uh, Incas and Peruvians and all, they they also have these legends and, and of the sky people and Quetzalcoatl and that's their fiery serpent god and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's really the same things. It's it's the visitation by the fallen angels that brought the distorted thing that the world knows as religion today. God's truth is another story. God's truth and his angels have no ulterior motive. God's aim is to restore mankind to the righteousness that he would have had had sin never entered into the picture. So this age-old battle between good and evil is not a nebulous thing. It's literally God the creator and Lucifer the rebel fighting with their forces, and the prize is humanity.
1: Okay. So it's very possible that they're visiting us now.
0: I think they are. I think they have been for thousands of years. They started from the beginning in Genesis 6, and it's continued since that time. I don't believe they're doing the same things they did. They didn't take the daughters of men after the flood. Because, you know, think about it. If, if you're one of Satan's fallen angels and you saw one of your brother angels be cast into chains in the bottomless pit for sinning like that, you're not going to be very uh, enthusiastic about doing the same thing again. So they decided to find another way to interrupt or interfere with God's plan for mankind. And that plan was through other mechanisms of genetic manipulation. And it would appear that they've been doing this thing about abductions and altering genetics. And, you know, we're stepping into an age of genetics that's um, almost frightening to think about the ethical ramifications of it. And uh, what they're able to do right now so far, what man can do is... Pretty impressive. Imagine what if Lucifer and his angels had even more knowledge of that. And, you know, there's talk about this so-called large hadron super collider Mm -hmm. in um, CERN, Switzerland, that that could be, excuse me, that could be a mechanism to open up a portal into that spiritual realm and uh sort of you know unleash as it were these things so you know that could coincide with this war in heaven we just don't know
1: and you know it seems like there's a lot of a lot of talk about the elite of this planet being involved in satanic cults and different worshipings and things that of that nature what do you think about that
0: I I base my entire political perspective of the satanic global elite from the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, we come to that scene where the man Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. You might recall that from your own upbringing, mm-hmm. you know, and he fasted 40 days and he was tempted of the devil. So one of those temptations was in verse 5, where we read, the devil took him up into a high mountain and showed unto him, Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So not only is time travel possible by the devil, but the next statement is very impressive. It says, the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Now, we all know that Jesus famously said, Get thee behind me, Satan. I only worship the Lord thy God. And so he rejected the offer, but he didn't renounce the claim. The claim is, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, it's delivered unto me, and to whoever I will, I give it. Then it's true. Satan controls the kingdoms of the world, not who you elect not who is granted to be king, not who parliament decides. The devil controls the kingdoms of the world. And he said he would give Christ all the power and glory of them if he would worship him. And Christ said, no. Well, if he would offer it to the Son of God, he would offer it to lesser men. So there are men in this world and women that are wealthy beyond our imagination, beyond the billionaire concept, they're trillionaires. They have all the money they could ever possibly imagine. What's left for them to gain? Control over you. Power over you. And that's who worships the devil. They didn't get this tremendous wealth because they worked hard. They got this power and this wealth because they worship Satan and he gave it to them. And as long as they're fitting in with his plan, he allows them to retain that power. And the satanic occult things they do is almost horrifying beyond imagination.
1: Yeah, we can't talk about that. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah,
0: and we really shouldn't because it's it's so disturbing. I don't want to leave people with nightmares.
1: Well, just just imagine imagine the worst things, and that's and that's it. You know. Yes. So. So, so can we? I mean, obviously, if this is all going to happen, we we can't fight this, can we? Absolutely not, because it's a
0: spiritual battle. You know, the Apostle Paul said in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against uh, principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So even if you could find the person that was the human being that was one of these satanic global elite, and, and even if you could kill them, you're not stopping the power behind the throne. The satanic principalities and powers that are the rulers of the darkness of this world can operate through another individual or another person. So the battle is not a flesh and blood battle. It is a spiritual battle, and it's won through the spiritual mechanism that God gave us. It's the truth that he offers through his son, Jesus Christ. The victory is already won. We're not without hope. Christ has already defeated these angels and Satan. They are ultimately going to be thrown in a place called the Lake of Fire, which incidentally, when we were talking about those three realms in hell and Hades, uh, that's where hell is going to be emptied out. People think of the devil as being in hell. He's not. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He's in the starry heavens or the second heaven. He's going to be cast out of that to the earth eventually in that war we talked about, but Hell eventually will be emptied, and those individuals that occupy it now will be judged. It's a temporary prison or holding cell. Once they're judged, and if their names are not found written in the book of life, they will be cast into the lake of fire where they will be in torments forever. So the wicked will end up in the place where they deserve. And the only way you can not go there or avoid being there is to accept the gift of redemption that God offers through his Son. So there's great hope in the world. We don't have to fight flesh and blood. We fight through the word of God and through the spiritual truth he gave us.
1: So it, so if he, if, he, if he lets us live so he can decide how our soul is, that would suggest that, that he doesn't have any control over how our souls are created, right?
0: Well, he created our souls so the bible says the spirit comes from god so there's no it, it's not that he has no control over it what it, you know it's kind of like i remember in college when one of those philosophy classes you take and the 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 uh, instructor says is god so powerful that he can create a boulder that not even he could lift and it's it's designed to make you question reality and question your beliefs and all that kind of thing but i i came to learn that i i reject the premise of the question because the assumption is that God is the way you understand him to be with a with a human finite mind. And it assumes that God can do anything. And I know three things the Bible says that God cannot do. It is impossible for him to lie. He cannot look upon iniquity, which is sin. And he cannot make you trust him as your Lord and Savior. He gave you a free will, and he will not violate his word to force you to be an automaton or a robot to accept him. He gives you the choice, and he can do everything and pour his heart out to you and love you and call you and weep for you to come to him as a child. But he can't make you do it. Only you can make that choice.
1: Okay, so if Satan has the power to 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 time travel, so to speak, wouldn't God have that power as well? I mean, I mean...
0: Absolutely. Yeah, God sees the future. He
1: he doesn't look at time in a linear
0: fashion as we are limited in doing. So he knows... you see he, time all the way.
1: So he knows then how your soul's going to wind up before you're even born.
0: He knows how it will be, but he doesn't determine that you can make the choice. He lets you choose. So there's a difference between foreknowing and predestinating.
1: Yeah, but, but then why create those souls?
0: He cr- he creates you know the mean? souls because it's his desire that humanity come to him. He wants them to be there, you know. it's So it's almost so like you're saying, well, the if the he knows ones, they're so. going to end up in hell, why would he create them in the first place? But he created them to make a choice, you see. So he gives them the opportunity to choose. The fact that he can foreknow that they would choose contrary to that doesn't change the fact that he gives them the same opportunity that he gives those who do choose to receive him. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I just think a, a lot of this probably could have been avoided, huh? Well, it could have been
0: avoided. He could have not begun it in the first place, but he loved you that much. You know, if, if think about it, he didn't have to make the angels either. He knew Lucifer was going to rebel. He didn't want to send those angels into prisons and chains. And he doesn't want to put those people in the, uh, in the, um, lake of fire. He created the lake of fire for the devil and his angels. He could have not created man at all, but he desired that we be with him. And what he has for us, what he has in store for us is almost unimaginably beautiful and wonderful. When you think about the size of the universe, and how gigantic it is, we're going to spend an eternity exploring it, creating, developing, learning, growing, uh, composing, writing, uh, singing, dancing, uh, all of those things, exploring, uh, and, and all from a central location of the earth, but going out to populate the heavens because he said the increase of his government, there would be no end. You got out a design from the beginning of a perfect universe that didn't have to have been tainted by sin. He allowed that to happen. He could have stopped it from being born. But then what would have been the point to just exist as God alone with having nothing to love and nothing to share it with? He, he had a desire to have us, to have fellowship with us and for us to be His children and for us to rejoice in Him. And that's ultimately what He wants. There's a city, a gigantic 1,500 cubic mile city that He has prepared for those that love Him. And it's going to be the the focus. It's going to be like the, the the governmental center of his universe.
1: The governmental center.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a government. It's a kingdom.
1: Do we get the vote?
0: <laughs> nope. It's a kingdom. He's a monarch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's fascinating stuff. It really is because you have to you have to take into account that. You know, it is a big universe, and there's a lot of, I mean, just look at some of these pictures where it's just galaxy after galaxy after galaxy after galaxy. And yep. if God can do that here, who's to say that he hasn't done it in a bunch of other different places as well?
0: Yeah, that, that's one of the fascinating questions about the eternity in the future. You know, we we've essentially got a timeline laid out in the Bible of 7,000 years. And after that 7,000 years, there's a new heaven and a new earth, which is the eighth thousand-year period, or eighth day, or new beginning. And from that point forward, we don't know what all we're going to be doing, other than the fact that we will eat from the tree of life and live forever. There'll be no more death, no pain, no sorrow. He's going to wipe away all tears. He's going to dwell with us and we with him, so there's no more frozen sea that separates man from God. And there'll be... Um, a, an entire universe to explore. And I don't believe we're going to see a repetition of the cycle over and over again ad infinitum of an Adam and an Eve and a serpent and a sin and, and a redemptive plan. I think we're going to see all these planets that we can inhabit or colonize, if you want to call it that. God will probably allow us to discover and, and explore and create warp drive technology or use the existing technology that he already has uh, in in the crafts that angels perhaps use now and we may be going to explore the the other reaches of the galaxy so that his government will increase forever and ever there's just no end to the to the discoveries that we'll make
1: so then, so, not- then so then he'd create like another planet somewhere and he would just say okay don't go there that's the new earth and 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 you know i'm gonna bring out a whole bunch more souls and they'll join us when they're ready Well, I think we're going to
0: be producing those people, not those that are in resurrection because a resurrected body is different, but there are flesh and blood people that are going to enter into that realm that are going to be like Adam and Eve were from the beginning. Once sin is eradicated and once they eat of the tree of life— they're going to go on to be exactly as Adam and Eve were from the moment that God created them when he said be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So it's going to be humanity that carries out and populates the other planets if that's in fact the plan that God has.
1: Well, then we'd be populating those planets with with, with souls, right? New souls? Of course. Yeah. Well, Human would, beings with souls. That's right. Well, then how would we know if they were evil souls or not? Because there's
0: no more sin, no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. Once, once, the, once the, uh, the sinless structure of God's righteous universe is restored, the concept of sin will no longer exist. We won't have the capacity to think an evil thought, or to lie, or to steal, or to cheat, or to deceive. It, it won't exist anymore. We will know it from remembering the past, but maybe not, because the Bible says uh, he will. Um, the The former things will not be remembered. You know, so we'll go on. We're going to go forward from there. So you think about a child born a billion years from now. He's not going to have the capacity to grow up and make a bad decision or choice or sin. And this is something that's hard to conceive of because we only know the world through the finite lens of sin. We can't see it through the righteous eyes of God.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely a definitely a lot to think about, it really is.
0: It is. And and the simple truth is access to this perfect new world that God has in store and new heaven is simply available to anybody that will believe on his son because Everything centers around the sacrifice that Christ made to redeem mankind. God went to the trouble of putting up with all this like we were discussing with earlier. Why bother with any of this? Because he did look into the future and he saw you and he said, you know what? I love that person enough that I want to make them my child. I want to bring them back to me in spite of the sin condition that came about as a result of Lucifer first, and then Adam. So he made it possible through a sacrifice that took our place to pay for our sin debt so that we could be restored to God in His righteousness. And there's not a person alive that ever trusted on Christ as their Savior that's a good person. They're just redeemed. There's a big difference between being a sinner and being um, uh, a sinner who's saved. It's not that we stopped sinning. We're not perfect people. We just accepted the gift of salvation that God offered us to be delivered from that coming wrath and to let Christ sit in judgment for us and pay the penalty that we should have paid, but he paid it for us. And God proved it by raising him from the dead. Everything hinges upon his resurrection.
1: Hmm. Well, how much time do you think we got? <laughs> uh, I, I've got
0: more time if you need it, uh, honestly, Michael. But no, I'm, no, no. I'm, I do mean, I mean, how much time do you think
1: we have and, until until the angels show up? And you know,
0: oh, you mean th- yeah, yeah. The- the- theologically, how much time we have? I thought you meant in our interview. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, that's right. um, that's, a, that's so funny. My my mind went there. You know, I'll I'll give you a little hint as to what I think is going on as far as time goes. There's a passage in the book of Second Peter that says a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. I think that's meant to be a formula for understanding God's prophetic timetable. So, obviously, to you and me, a a day is a day, and a thousand years is a thousand years. But if God sees a thousand years as a day, then we can incorporate that into our understanding of what he means. From Adam to Christ was 4,000 years of human history. That's generally understood through archaeological records and everything else. And from Christ to today is roughly 2,000 years. So if I apply the formula of 2 Peter, that's four days and two days, or six days, right? 6,000-year period. Well, God restored the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Now, God didn't need to rest. He's God. He doesn't have to sleep. But he created the Sabbath for man, he says. So he rests on the seventh day. The seventh thousand-year period of time is about to begin. We're almost entering it numerologically. So if that's the rest of God, the Sabbath or the day of the Lord, it's called, then it seems to be that we're very near that time. If Jesus Christ died on a cross when he was 33 years old, that's the year AD 33. We're in the year 2020. So we're 13 years away from exactly 2000 years from the day he died it's possible that 13 years is how much time we have i can't i wouldn't write that down i wouldn't put it in stone and i wouldn't quote me on it for to save my life <laughs> but you know there's a there's a calendar of god that's lunar and we have a julian calendar which is a solar calendar so there's discrepancies in how time is measured but it's generally in the ballpark so essentially i think we're very near the time i think within two decades and possibly three we're going to see The culmination of these things, a rapture event, a time of great darkness, and then this war in heaven begins. And Moses and Elijah, prophets from the Bible, reappear on this earth and begin to do the same signs and wonders that they did back in the ancient past. It's pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah. So what about this Saturn-Jupiter Conjunction thing? Do you think that's a sign at all of anything? You know, if it is, I
0: would love to speak to somebody smarter than myself uh, to find out what it could mean. It's not the first time it's happened, I know uh, astronomically, and um, it is s- significant. But what I what I do know is there's a lot of people that think that this. Uh, I forget the word. Is it conflagration or conjunction? Um, Conjunction, thank you. This conjunction was the same one seen by the wise men in um, the book of Matthew when they called it his star. But uh, I take a different perspective on that, which is not to discount that this might be a sign of something, because the Bible says in the 19th Psalm that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork so i think that stars and symbols and signs in the, in the heavens are something that god is using to reveal his truth uh, in a, in a very significant way but when we read that account of the wise men that came from the east to jerusalem they said, you know, they came to Herod, the king, and they asked him if he knew where it was that he was born king of the Jews, for we've seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, this time of year, we'd sing the Christmas carols, and they talk about his star shining and on and on, but they didn't say anything about his star shining. They said, we've seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And so Herod didn't know about this, and he was troubled. So he says, hey, when you find the young when you find him, come back and tell me. I want to. I want to know because he consulted with their um, their people, and they found in the scriptures that the Christ would be born in Bethlehem. So they go to Bethlehem, and he sent them there. And when he said, and they said, when you find him, come back and tell me. But Herod wanted to kill him because he didn't want to be deposed as king. So when they departed, it said the lo- the star which they saw in the east went before them. Till it came and stood over where the young child was, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now, planets don't do that. <laughs> a planet, Jupiter, cannot come down and stand over the place where a child was. And incidentally, it wasn't in the manger at that point. He was in a house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, the wise men didn't show up the day that Jesus was born in the manger. They showed up about two years later. And in your Bible, stars are referred to as angels. Job chapter 38 says the morning stars sang for joy when God created the earth. And Revelation 12 says that the tail of the dragon drew a third of the stars of heaven. And that's where we get that number of the fallen angels. The angels are the stars. I believe the wise men had an angel visit them in the east where they were and told them to go to Israel. And when they got there and they got to Bethlehem, the angel appeared to them again and, I guess with his wings, hovered over the house where Christ was to show them that. It wasn't an astronomical sign they were looking at. They saw the angel of the Lord that appeared to them. Because the next thing you know, there's angels talking to the shepherds in the field. So angels were all around the birth of Jesus Christ. It didn't have anything to do with Saturn and Jupiter, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Now, what about, what about the theory of the Anunnaki and Nibiru? Is that, is that mentioned in the Bible at all, another planet out there?
0: Not by those names, but Anunnaki and Nabuuru are the are the uh, the uh, Mesopotamian um, references and accounts uh, of the um, of the star people that came down. They're gods, and you know a lot of people see the same parallel there in the Book of Genesis, chapter six, the sons of God taking the daughters of men. So, as far as I'm concerned, they're parallel stories, just from a different culture and diluted through the paganistic eyes of that region and their gods. Okay. As far as it being another planet system and things like that, you know, I mean, it's possible that Satan and some of his fallen angels occupy or inhabit like the Pleiades system or, you know, something like that, the Drago system. I mean, that, he's the dragon, so that's what the serpent was. It's a it's a seven-headed dragon. So it's possible that they dwell in those places and they can inhabit them. But I think it's more likely that their their sphere of influence is surrounding the earth. Imagine like a planet surrounded by satellites. Well, that's where these fallen angels are. They're involved with men. They're manipulating men. They're trying to control men, and they're interfering with the lives of men through wicked men like these satanic global elites.
1: All right. I have, and I have a, a one more question for you. It might be a little corny, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask you one more question, and I guess we'll wrap it up. If God didn't want us to eat the apple, why do we eat the apple today?
0: <laughs> because nothing in the Bible says that that fruit of the knowledge uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was an apple. I think the lowly apple is is much maligned for no good reason. We have no idea what that fruit was. So the image of a, a Caucasian man and woman naked with a snake wrapped around an apple tree is a complete fiction of some artist's imagination there's uh, nothing to say that Adam and Eve were Caucasian; they weren't they were red because Adam means red man. And, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is never given in the Bible as to what the fruit looked like other than it was, it was appealing to the eye and, you know, grapes are appealing, bananas are appealing. You know, why couldn't that have been the fruit? And the serpent, which they spoke with wasn't a snake. It was that dragon. It was Leviathan. Hmm. So we have a lot of, uh, cultural um, disinformation that we have to measure with the eyes of Scripture. And when we look at it through the Word of God and see what it actually says, then we actually begin to see a completely different picture, which is far more fascinating and interesting to me than two boring white people sitting there eating an apple. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so, that's true. Do you think, uh, do you think Noah's Ark has been found? Do you think it's on top of that mountain there in Turkey? I
0: think it's very possible. Uh, it says that it came to descend on Ararat, which is in Turkey today, And those ruins could possibly be there. What they would be at this point, I would think, if it's not petrified, would be uh, ruins of of some sort of a uh, uh, living arrangement uh, or an ancient city built around the Ark. And, you know, maybe stone structures were laid around the, the frame of the Ark or something like that and then ultimately decayed over time as so many ancient ruins were. So I bet we'll find the ruins of something there someday
1: yeah that's it'd be uh you know the I guess the snow is melting right
0: yeah exactly it's going to take a significant uh change and I, I think that's probably one of the things that the global elite won't allow us to ever discover until they're deposed, and that is to to see these things that can reveal truth in God's word
1: yeah that's the truth, Scott Mitchell, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Absolutely, Michael.
0: And just thank you so much for having me here today. It's been a delight. Um, our website is utbnow.com. That's, uh, UTB stands for unlock the Bible now.com. If you go to utbnow.com, you can access all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel bible mysteries as well you can access that from utb now and then of course our podcast is bible mysteries podcast where um we uh, are going to have episodes released each monday and we're actually going to start talking about some of these very people you and i were briefly uh skirting around today this uh, satanic global elite uh, after the first of next year
1: yes yeah, it's, it's uh definitely an interesting subject if if nobody's uh, gotten into that that's that's a uh... That's more interesting than than we're allowed to cover today. <laughs> That's for sure.
0: It's really true. And, they, you know, there's a risk when you when you poke Satan, you poke the bear, <laughs> and he's going to poke back or bite. But, uh, you know, we, we want to get as much information out as we can before it may come to the point where we can't have these kind of conversations anymore.
1: Yeah, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, they, they might not let you talk about this today. You know, what is it going to be tomorrow, right?
0: I agree. We are definitely seeing signs of the times that are pointing to the perilous times that shall come. And um, I'm grateful that you would give me a voice to even talk about it today, Michael.
1: Of course. We're glad to have you on. We definitely uh, definitely want to thank you for taking the time to spend with us. You bet. It's been my privilege. All right. We'll be right back on Conflict Radio right after this. Welcome back to Conflict Radio. That was Pastor Scott Mitchell. I want to remind everybody that we're going to have uh, another YouTube live call-in show, Open Lines Live YouTube show, on Wednesday, December 23rd with Jared Murphy. I hope you guys can make it. You join us. We're going to try a 3 p.m. show. That's 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for everybody that can just go off Eastern Time. That's 4 p.m. Eastern Time with Jared Murphy. We're going to do a live open line show on YouTube on Wednesday. So be sure to join us for that. That should be a lot of fun. Remember, you can always find us online. Just go to www.conflictradio.net. You can find us on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and Spreaker, Apple iTunes, and all of your normal podcast catchers. Until next time, batten down the hatches and be safe.